Yo, what's up? And welcome back to Think Like Me or Don't. This is episode two of season two. Uh, in this episode, like I mentioned last week, uh, uh, my mind kind of goes all over the place. Uh, we're still in like the weeds of trying to figure out not only get my footing on on understanding what's happening, but also what do I do next? Where do I supposed to? Where am I supposed to go? So, uh, listen. I think you'll you'll find there'll be some interesting stories that I tell about the past, about where I came from. Uh, and some of the things that may have influenced me getting to this point. Um, as always, anchor.fm forward slash think like me. Drop in some uh, audio messages for some questions or comments or anything that you are thinking about what's going on. Uh, you can also go to anchor.fm forward slash think like me forward slash support if you feel inclined to uh, to drop in some listener support. So I am uh, excited and I'll just turn you over to me a couple weeks ago. Peace. What is up? Welcome back to day two uh, of season two. To start off with, instead of separating them out, I'm going to do the score first and then we'll go into the rest of the thing. So my score for today, personal checking account, $84.65. Like I mentioned yesterday, I sold off some Bitcoin and got some money back. And then, of course, as it happens, a bunch of subscriptions that all pinged the morning that that money came in. So it was supposed to be $250. Bunch of stuff came out, so I'm going to deal with that. And then in the business account, I just checked, but I can never remember four thirty-four fifty-one. So it was a little bit more yesterday, but I, because I got the debit card, I managed to pay off some things. Um, so what's up, day two? Like I mentioned, I always wake up feeling fairly refreshed, up, up, up. and uh, feeling. I usually wake up feeling better than than I went to bed. Today is no no exception. Um, part of that is because I woke up this morning to an email from a prospective client who I managed to convince to move forward and also that the convincing of that guy gave me some ideas for another piece of content that I want to put out which I'm going to put out later today which I'm excited about Um, so I think I think that positive last night before I went to bed I um, was wallowing a bit <laughs> and 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 I swear I keep getting phone calls from people I don't know who they're from oh, well anyway uh, I was wallowing a bit in a little bit of self-pity and Sue said something very funny she said well you can't do anything else right now so uh, you might as well wallow a bit and I was like she didn't say it exactly like that, but that was essentially what she said. And I was like, yeah, that's not a bad, not a bad thought. Because I feel like leaning into the real emotions that you're having, at least in my experience, that's kept me from dwelling in them like over the long term. So when I allow myself to just feel what I'm feeling and confront it, it doesn't have any power over me. Because I know sometimes in the past, I've, I have a history of burying emotion. Part of that's taught, part of that is something that I've just sort of picked up over time as a coping mechanism. But burying emotion has always been my way of dealing with the emotion. But the problem with that is that I am an extremely emotional person. And so burying the emotion basically is like 
It's like taking a hot coal and putting it in my pocket to save it for later. Like, yeah, it's no longer burning my hands, but now it's burning holes in my pocket. <laughs> and it never really goes out. Whereas actually giving the emotion credence, feeling it and digging into it is like pouring water on the, on the hot coal. Like you actually, for me anyway, I, it actually like dissipates the intensity of the emotion. And it just gives me room to feel it, deal with it, process it, and move on. Which I think is a large part of the reason why I've managed to say, stay very positive in my life is because I'm, I'm not giving, I'm not letting my emotions sort of take control. You just called me. Oh, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm sort of just letting them happen and letting them pass. Letting them happen and letting them pass. So, today, anyway, so the other thing we talked about last night was, um, I mentioned to her the thought that I had that I mentioned uh, in the last episode, or yesterday, about um, maybe my ability to solve problems isn't so much an ability to solve problems as it is I'm really, I'm really good at procrastinating, at finding ways to put problems off for later. Which I think is an interesting concept because I could, it speaks to like a, to another, like a deeper issue, which is one of a lack of present discipline. And, and I, I think the more, the more I think about it, the more that feels probably the closest to true given the, the evidence that I have. It's just, I have a tendency to take action now that's more in my current self-interest than it is in future me's self-interest, or future me's interest, I should say. So it's weird, like, <clears throat> being selfish against yourself. Like, can you be selfish even though the person that you're being selfish against is you, like just a different version of you? Apparently you can. But I'm wondering to what extent that is, um, like to what extent that's actually something that I should try to solve for, you know? And like, I, I wonder how much effort should be put into uh, being disciplined in the moment versus versus allowing myself to bring in other resources and minds to manage like what's needed. Because it's not so much that I, it's not so much that I or everyone needs to be very disciplined and like, I don't believe for a second that the right way to be in a, in a universal sense is necessarily super over disciplined. Like I have a feeling that in truth, well, maybe that the solution is actually not, it's, it's isolation. The problem is that I've been so isolated for so long and I haven't, I don't have a partner. I don't have, and it's interesting because I, I was talking with last week, whenever it was, I was out with my, some of my colleague buddies 
we were talking about some big ideas. And I have my best big ideas when I'm with other people. But he said something very interesting. He said, look guys, I don't, I don't do very well in isolation. Like I do, I do best when I have other people that I can bounce ideas off of and say, yeah, that's good, no, that's not good. And he had just sort of, he was up and honest about it. He was open about it. He was like, look guys, if we're gonna do stuff together, it needs to be collaborative. I don't wanna, I don't wanna be siloed. And that hit me at the time, but I don't think that it, that I really understood the, the complexity of that issue or really how far reaching and widespread that concept should be hitting me. All right, buddy, you're pulling me too fast. Um, and so maybe, maybe that's part of the issue. Maybe partnership is more what I need. And I think part of the problem is there's this juxtaposition, because I know I've said in the past, I do better on my own. I don't like working for anyone. But I think, I think there is a happy medium. There's an equilibrium you can find where you have someone that you don't necessarily work for, but that you together work for a shared interest. But like together, and it's not, it's not employee-employer relationship, it's partner and partner. We're both putting in 100% of the effort. We both have the same amount of say in what happens. And it's a, it's a collaborative effort. Because I, I also am becoming more and more aware. I've always sort of been aware of this. But I'm becoming more and more aware over time that my... Um, I am really good at the raw concept like the raw thing, the raw idea. But I'm not really good when it's my concept at turning that into uh, communicating the raw concept. Like, cause for me, when it's my idea, all I'm thinking about is, um, okay, I have all these ideas and all these things that are very important to me and that I think are crucial for someone to understand the concept and that are crucial to the concept, and I feel a need to communicate all of them. And that's true. You probably have picked up on that on this podcast because I talk too much. But in reality, having a, what, what having a partner does, even an informal partner like what I've done, I have these colleagues that I run ideas and run iterations by, having a partner in that sense gives you a sounding board. It gives you someone to be like, yeah, no, the, the idea is good, but you're not saying it right. And if you have trust with these people and you have a good relationship, then they can be as honest as you let them be and be as frank and as blunt as you let them be. And I, I appreciate that. Sometimes in the moment I get a little pissed off because <laughs> I want everything that I do to be perfect the first time. But at the same time, I, I appreciate the result. I appreciate what happens at the end. And so I think that's, I think there, there's something in the solution to this problem that I keep running into. I apologize for the background noise here. I gotta get some bags for the bear for his business later. That uh, maybe collaboration is more 
in my interest, which I'm down for because I've always thought to myself that being a part of a dream team, like trying to do everything myself, I can do. I can handle all the pieces. But having somebody else, I remember when I was working at Sixth Division, and when we, my favorite times when I was working at Sixth Division was when I was in Arizona. Because those were the time, it was like the, usually the day between makeovers. So like if I would go out, we would do a makeover Monday, Tuesday, we'd have businesses out, and then we'd do another one Thursday, Friday. And so I would have Wednesday, we would have Bates off Wednesday to just kind of like work and do some interim stuff. And I loved the collaborative stuff. I loved working together with, you know, the other consultants, the other coaches. I loved talking about ideas. I loved bouncing concepts around. That's really where I shine, is in, the, is in that, that arena. But the problem is, I have yet to find a company where the, the leadership and the direction and that committee style, like the, the, the perfect equilibrium of all those things. Like somebody who's, a, who's in charge, who's not an asshole, um, as well as someone who can drive um, somebody, like just enough people to communicate with, enough of a fostered attitude of collaboration and, and innovation. Um, and also a, a modicum of autonomy. Like, I just don't like, you can't combine all of the things into one to one person's plate. Like, I can do the delivery, but it burns me out. I can do the strategy, but it burns me out. Not so much. I can learn to do anything, but after a while, I can't be doing all the things at once. And so, like, with Sixth Division, I got burnt out with the delivery, and I got burnt out because the person I was working for was my brother. And on both sides, there's just a lack of true business maturity. You can't, you can't really work with family. The only time that you can work with family, I've found, I've been doing this 15 years, and I've worked with a lot of couples and husband, wife, and like sisters and brothers that work together. The only time I've seen it work is, I've seen it work one time. And that is a time when there are enough siblings to where a small group of the siblings, well, first of all, all the siblings have to be working at the same company. And then second, it only works when a subset of the siblings are working together and almost against the rest of the siblings. So it's kind of funny, the only, the only way that siblings can work together, family members can work together, is when they have a common enemy, right? And not so much, it's not like enemy-enemy, it's just somebody else that's, that's, that they have to fight against together. They have to come together because they have someone else they're fighting against, that kind of idea. So anyway, it wouldn't have worked at Sixth Division because it was brother. Plus this wouldn't work because Brad was still there, brother's still there. And I never really felt like the rest of the management was able to grow past me what they had seen me as before. Because when I met all those people earlier, I was a high school kid. Smart, yes. Capable, yes. A bit of a derp, oh yes. And 
you know, I didn't change much of my personality. I changed kind of my outlook on life and some of the some of my thoughts and some of my opinions, but I'm still kind of derpy. At least, you know, I'm not I don't take myself too seriously. So I can understand that it would be hard for people to move past seeing me in that way. But it's just annoying because you know you can never you can never really get past that. Um, with Frank, same thing. Well, same, same, but different. Frank, I got really close to. But the problem with Frank is that um, there was another level of management that was just awful. That was very self-centered, very concerned about her own advancement and very terrified, just didn't really have a good understanding of what was actually going on and sort of poisoned the water hole, if you will. And so that, that whole thing had to get shut down. Um, and then with Ollie, it was just, I had too much on my plate, plain and simple. And it, I don't know if he'll ever hear this or if anyone associated with it will ever hear this or care. He can say whatever he wants, but the truth is I got burnt out because too much was resting on me doing everything. And part of that I think is that I, you know, I, I, I probably could have solved it given another six, eight months. I was very, very close to solving some of those problems. But the problem there was that I was put under, I was given the responsibility not only of solving the problem, in other words, coming up with a solution and implementing the solution, but also making sure that the delivery didn't skip a beat. So I was like doing everything, right? Designing the new system, uh, implementing the new system, getting everybody onto the new system, while at the same time making sure that the existing clients were taken care of. Where I think what probably would have worked better in that situation, or if I had been given more time, uh, would have been for somebody else to be managing the delivery and for me to be implementing the solution or for me to be managing the delivery and someone else implementing the solution. But there just wasn't enough. We didn't move fast enough. Like, we didn't fire bad clients quick enough. And so we lost good clients because the bad clients were sucking up all of our time. We didn't, um, we didn't hire people into the right positions quick enough. We fired too many people. Like we just did, it was not, we were, it, was a, it was sort of a hostile environment. Um, and I don't know how much of that was caused by me, you know, by the expectation that I was going to come in and solve everything and then whoop-de-doo, I'm a human being, I can't solve all the problems. Like, I don't know how much of that, how much that played a factor, but, um, yeah, I'm sure it played a, a, a small factor. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not at all trying to absolve myself of my role in those things not working because I know like with Frank... There were, I mean, it was, a, it was an emotional time. I mean, I got divorced while I was with Frank. And I left the Mormon church while I was with Frank. So you can imagine, I also started fighting while I was with Frank. And started to really get into that, uh, that community. So there was a lot of distraction when I was working with Frank. And with Ollie, that, there was no distraction. But I 
I didn't, I didn't feel like I was being treated right. And so that one, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked long-term anyway. Um, keep getting phone calls. I don't know who they're from, or why they're calling. Oh, it's Amazon. I got to call them back. Um, anyway, so, so the, I, I, I kind of went into like a history rant on, on all the stuff that's happened to me in the past. And really that doesn't have much to do with anything except, oh, that looks a little bit better. Um, except that, Craig, oh, come back, come back, come back, come here. Um, except that it speaks to my, it speaks to this point that maybe like I crave that collaboration a little bit and I crave not needing to be the one to do everything, um, because it requires me to change sort of my mindset and my, my attitude, not attitude, but like my, like you got to wear a different hat, you know, you go into like sales mode. Like we were talking about last night, we need, I need to spend an hour a day or an hour a week. Okay, great. Just prospecting, which I knew that, and I said that to myself after. Um, I said that to myself every time I've lost one of those major contracts. Sorry again for the background noise. Just feeding the dog now. Um, I said, okay, I gotta spend an hour a day on Upwork filling out proposals. So, but uh, the problem with that is, I just get so like I, I just, I just want to do the stuff for my clients. Like I don't want to, I don't want to always be trying to split my my focus and my energy because I, I just I don't feel like that's a, that's efficient. You know, the, the switching back and forth. And maybe a good way to do it would be instead of doing a little bit of every day, dedicating one day a week, like, or half a day a week just to that. So maybe like, I don't know, Monday mornings or something, going through and letting that just be dedicated to uh, prospecting and finding new clients and filling out proposals. Like, spend three or four hours and go through. The problem there is that, like, some, some proposals come in and by the time you get around to it the next week, you might miss it, which would be unfortunate because, you know, you might, there might be the right one, but I don't know. I got to find the balance. And I think that's the key right now. What I'm more focused on is how do I find a balance to where I can realistically, uh, do all the things until such time as I have enough cash to bring somebody else in to do some of those things for me. Because I do, I do kind of want to make it work to where I can still bring on the VA next month. I've realized that only gives me like a week and a half to come up with not only deposit money for next month, rent money for next month, um, but also 1500 well, deposit money for next month, rent money for next month, pay off my, my previous employees, uh, and pay off some additional debts that I've got, some payments, which actually right now aren't that much because I've managed to fancy pants accounting my way 
into a solution for some of those things. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of where we're at, is I, I need to focus my energy and attention uh, a little bit more broadly. And I find that to be difficult. Um, spending time and energy not just doing work for clients, but like finding new clients. And maybe that's, that's just a lesson I need to learn that you have to, you have to divide your time because a business owner isn't one thing. A business owner is a hundred things. And it just depends on where the need is. And it depends on planning, like a realistic plan for the future. So, you know, that's definitely part of it. And, and I think this, so this weekend we're going to Zion, we're going to Utah. And I think I'll spend some time while we're there mapping out what the plan actually looks like. And I kind of have an idea of it because I knew that like for the apprenticeship program, I know that if I can grow it by one client per month, I'm in a very, very good place by the middle of next year, right? And all the numbers make sense, but I got to get between here and there first. So anyway, that's day one or sorry, day two AM. I will be back later this afternoon to let you know how today went. Peace. What's up? Day 2 p.m. Evening. Missed the afternoon walk. Sue decided she wanted to go with us. So I decided not to uh, make her listen to the record <laughs> while we were walking. Which is good. We had a good conversation. Um, today turned out to be a pretty good day, actually. Um, not only did I find out that I don't even remember what we talked about this morning. Not only did I find out that um, uh, the one guy is going to buy the audit, so I've got some revenue coming in, but also the money coming back from the subscriptions I mentioned this morning from the personal account uh, is going to get re- some of that's going to get refunded. So I have a little bit of cash to get me through the weekend, which is nice. Um, And also another one of my customers, I don't know if I had seen this this morning when I talked, but um, paid an invoice. And then it actually turns out that just now I saw the second customer paid an invoice. That one probably won't get to me till Monday, but it's fine. Because it means that potentially, geez, I'm going to be dealing with flybys for the next week. Anyway. Um, Revenues from next week, I might actually be able to run payroll for the first time, which would be nice. Treat myself like a real business. Actually, it's kind of ironic. I got um, had a conversation today with a guy that has a business that, for all intents and purposes, is the same as mine. <laughs> um, runs an agency. He's another ex-Infusionsoft employee. Um, and uh, he's trying to get into the contract business, and he's just looking for someone to do the, the implementing. Essentially, he's looking for, for uh, um, he wants to build, he wants to expand his agency, essentially. Um, so we chatted and I, I had originally thought that he might be a fit for the apprenticeship, um, but wouldn't actually make sense because it would be like apprenticing someone 
that would then get pimped out to other people from the guy. Anyway, so it wouldn't make sense. Um, but uh, one of the things we talked about was that he could use some help and advice on like accounting, like the business side of running an agency. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'm happy to give you some advice or answer some questions. Of course, full well knowing that I am the last person to be giving anybody business building advice. But actually, I, I saw um, I saw a video, or I was, I was reminded of a video that I had seen previously, but I saw it again. It's another one of the Gary V videos. And uh, he basically was talking about how he couldn't get an entry-level job at his own company. Um, like, he wouldn't have been able to get an entry-level job at his own company um, when he was younger because he didn't have the skills, he didn't do well in school, like he just, he wasn't a, he didn't really have what, it, what he would have looked for in, a, in an employee. And he said something very interesting, which was, he was talking about like, he, he talks a lot about how the market doesn't lie, meaning the market is the market. So like, if you, you can't stand, sit around and say, everybody out there is dumb because everybody out there has the money that they're going to pay you. So like, to a certain extent, you can create your own offering, your own service, your own approach to things. But if nobody buys it, that means it's not worth anything, right? And, but he says, the thing though is, if you can be patient, Sometimes you can ride out the tide of popular opinion. He's like, when I started, it was not popular or well accepted to swear from stage in like the business sense. It wasn't popular to wear t-shirts and jeans and sneakers. He's like, you wore a business suit and you spoke professionally. And he said it took him, you know, 10, 15 years even to get to the point where, where people would take him seriously. He didn't change. He's, he's always been the same guy. But he, it wasn't like he, his, first, his first talk, he, he just hit it right on the head. And so he talks about sometimes, sometimes it's not necessarily about hitting it on the head from the get-go. But understanding that you can, you know, if you can anticipate where the market is going or what's going to happen in the future sometimes you can you can meet it later on like it can become like anyway he, he was talking with a songwriter and the guy was like if people don't like your song they're not going to buy them but at the same time if you want to like stay true to your music stay true to who you are you don't have to write pop songs to be a to be a successful musician but somebody at some point has to get it right so there is like a a, a, a little bit of like knowing how to market yourself market why your thing is different and why it matters and so I feel like that's there's been a, a theme sort of a vein 
running through a lot of the thoughts that I've been having, a lot of the things that I've been running into of late, and I've even mentioned a couple of them on the podcast, um, talking about my need. I have what I think, what I consider to be good ideas, but um, sometimes I have a hard time with how close I am to them. I have a hard time coming up with the right way to market them. Like, how do I express the idea in a way that somebody else will not only understand, but that will lead them to want to pay me, right? And I feel like it's still a progression. It's still like a process that we're we're getting through. But um, it was just interesting the way that it came out because he was, because again, it was, it, I, I took it as very, very inspirational, very motivational because it was not, you got to get it right. It was embrace who you are and what you're trying to do and like be true to it. I think that's the big thing. You know, be, be true to who you are and what you're trying to do and not, don't, like the idea of selling out is less about um, trying to make money and more about losing the core of who you are. Like I can't tell you how many times I see people um, building businesses and they're going through the motions that they were that they were told to do. Man, these jets. They are making this really hard to do. But they're they you like it's cookie cutter. That's the only way I can think of to say it. I came I grew up in Arizona at a time when real estate was was uh, in the middle of one of its fluctuations. Um, and a lot of developers threw up subdivisions in Arizona with their, we call, we call them the cookie cutter houses, which is essentially an entire subdivision of houses that look exactly the same. And I feel like a lot of times business and marketing is like that now, where you get the same format the same style, the same message, the same crappy video, the same headlines, like everything about it is the same. And so I feel like when you, when you approach business, like it's a, like it's totally, um, like it's completely dynamic, meaning it's kind of like this whole drop shipping thing. Like there's a lot of people that think you can get into business, you can buy some stuff and then you just get into drop shipping and you make a bunch of money. And I feel like some people have, but getting into that, if it's not a business that you have passion for, then it's just about money. And I feel like that, you know, customers can feel that. And it's really not even so much about customers because if you can, if you can sell something, regardless of whether or not you have passion for it, good on you. But the problem is those people then go on to start to market themselves as experts in the field of business and marketing and selling and advertising and all that kind of stuff. And they become personalities. And the thing that I have an issue with is those types of people who have never, they're, they're not coming from like, from a place of really trying to help people. They're not coming from a place of having a moral thing that they stand for and standing for it firmly and strongly. They're coming just from, well, I happen to, 
put two and two together and get four. So let me teach you how to do that. And let me become like a leader of men. I don't mean that like men versus women. I just mean like the, the idea that somebody who just happened to make some money in e-commerce becomes a leader, like a motivational speaker. And other people go and, and essentially take life advice from these people. And they become role models. And all those people care about is, as the, is, is the proverbial cash uh, bitches and blow, as, um, as Frank Kern always used to say, right? They, they don't really care. There's no real passion behind what they're doing. And that's not obviously not true of everyone, but I just, I, I hope you can understand that what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that everyone in e-commerce is like this. I'm just saying there's a lot of that. Like they're striving for personality. They're striving to impersonate personality. They're, everybody is trying to be the next whatever instead of just being that and letting all of the fame and notoriety and everything that goes along with it just sort of come as a natural byproduct. I think that may be the difference. They're trying to, everybody's trying to manufacture authority. They're trying to manufacture that idea of um, expertise, right? In fact, um, there was a, there's a dude, um, I think Mike Koenig had a, even a product called Man You Can Manufacture Authority or something like that. Which, I mean, whatever. If you want to write a book or whatever, you want to get it out there, that's fine. But it's like, the point should not be to go after those things. I don't feel like. I feel like the point should be to do good, to create a business, and let the authority be a byproduct. Like, I don't even, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining this. Um, it's like, I always talk, maybe this will be a good way of talking about it. It's like I talk about with, with muscle and physique. I have a strong moral, it's going to sound a little bit too intense and over the top, but I have a strong moral objection to uh, weightlifting for the sake of weightlifting. And I'm, it's going to sound a little bit stronger than I mean it to be. Jeez, those jets are so loud. I should maybe do this inside in the future. It's like they don't have anything else to do. Um, again, I'm not talking about like professional weightlifters that do it as a sport. I'm not talking about professional crossfitters. I'm not talking about people that are like legitimately serious about it. I'm talking about people that lift. It's the bros. Do you even lift, bro? that like, they just want to get jacked and they like carry around their protein drinks. And they're not professionals. They're just people who are so wrapped up in self-image that they think that the point of working out is to look a certain way. See, I have long believed that your physique should be a byproduct of the life you live. Like it should represent your lifestyle. And so if you're ripped, it should be because you do things that make you ripped. 
like you're a fighter or you're a professional weightlifter or a professional athlete, right? Um, not, not like, oh, I just really want to look good. Well, part of the reason why you really want to look good is because you think that you don't look good. And the only reason you think that is because you and all the other assholes that go out and lift uh, as a means to look better think that you're actually going to look better if you do so. Like, it's a self-perpetuating myth that you have to go and do all these things in order to be something that you already are, right? Like, I, part of this obviously comes from uh, my personal distaste for the gym, for working out in that sense. It just seemed pointless. It seemed inefficient to go and spend a bunch of time doing something that didn't really lead anywhere, didn't really do anything. It doesn't really make you that much healthier, um, really. I mean, we could have a whole argument about that. But anyway, the point with the health thing, it's the same thing with this manufactured authority thing. I feel like your authority should be a natural byproduct of what you've actually done, of who you are. Not because it's like, it's like people that get into good schools because they are well connected or because they have money and not because they had the right scores or because their, their entrance essays were good. Like, it just seems like it's for the wrong reasons. And that might be a little bit idealistic and utopian but I really feel like there's there's too much in this space, in this consulting space, that's just it's just a bunch of bullshit. Like I went looking through all my feeds, and like I'm I'm kind of over the idea of being a CEO. Like everybody's a CEO of their one man thing. You know what I mean? Everybody's like everybody has their own little one-man show and they're calling themselves a CEO because of what that what they think that gives them but what it really gives them is nothing right other people might perceive that they have something that is giving them something but in reality I mean what is it what do you get for for being having the title CEO on your Facebook profile nothing right and I feel like even for myself in this situation where I'm trying to to start a business. I don't like being called a CEO. Because I'm not. Not in the not in the sense that people expect. Like I know what the term CEO connotates and I don't really like I don't really like using that as a moniker for myself. Because I don't see myself in that light. Now I, I I do feel like I should still be engaged in the activities that a CEO is engaged in. I had a whole video about that. But I just I don't know. I feel like it's too much, so. Anyway, a lot of stuff going on. Um, should have some good updates for you tomorrow for day three, but that's it for day two. Peace out. That will do it for episode two of season two of Think Like Me or Don't. As always, I am your host, Brett Martineau. I am thrilled that you are listening, uh, thrilled that you have taken time from your day to listen to me 
whine and cry and complain about some situations that I've been in. Uh, next week, uh, episode three, it all starts to devolve. Uh, my, I start to doubt myself. I start to doubt this, the, this season of the podcast. I start to doubt a bunch of things um, and really wonder whether what I'm trying to do is the right way to go. Uh, it's a little bit all over the place emotionally, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, as always, anchor.fm forward slash think like me. Drop in your audio messages. Uh, head over to anchor.fm forward slash think like me forward slash support if you feel like uh, uh, contributing even small amounts to the, the production of this podcast. And uh, we will see you next week. Peace.